You're listening to Young Honest Mother, the podcast. Here, we'll chat about all things marriage, motherhood, and modern home economics, in all honesty. I'm your host, Maurice Young. All right, Andrea, well, thank you so much for being a guest on Young Honest Mother, the podcast. Well, thank you for having me. (laughs) So to start, I'd love for you to tell me and our listeners, who is Andrea? Oh wow! Um, many facets of the same of the same thing, right? So I am um, I'm originally from Michigan. Um, my husband and I have been married for 23 years, and um, my predominant role over those last 23 years has been a mom of six. So that's a huge part of my identity as far as, you know, the thing I've been spending my most time on over the last, um, like I said, 23 years. But, um, but no, I, I, for the most part, I, I would say I'm, I'm David's wife. I'm Andrea. I'm a friend. I'm a sister. I'm a daughter. All of those things go into the different parts of, you know, who I am and who I love. I, who I love Mm -hmm. probably a good is, is, probably a great indication of who I am. Ooh, I love that. Okay. Tell me a little bit more. You've mentioned a couple of groups of people as to who you love, but is there anyone that you've left out? Um, well, we're, we've always been, uh, we've lived in three different states around the country, very, very different places, cultures, um, in Michigan, and then in Seattle, Washington, and then now to here, down here in Dallas. And mm-hmm. um, we've always been very involved in our church. And um, the great thing about living a lot of different places is you collect people, right? I love to say I'm a people mm-hmm. collector because I love, I try to meet somebody new every single day. And um, whether they're just somebody I meet to encourage or to smile at or um, enjoy for a moment or make a friendship with, that's kind of what I love to do. I really do love to collect people in my life because you just never know who's sitting right next to you. I have learned um, through meeting people that, uh, wow, there's some pretty amazing people just right at the table next to you. And that's super cool. We have friends. We went, uh, David and I both went to college um, in South Carolina. So we have people literally all over the country that we have loved on, um, for seasons in our life and some stay beyond those seasons that we're with them. So I love that. Mm. Have you always been someone who's found it easy to just go up to people and start conversations with them? Or has that been a trait that has developed over time? Um, It absolutely has developed over time. And I think with age and self-confidence and kind of knowing who you are in a broad experience allows you Mm -hmm. to um, talk with just about anyone, you know, at being a mom, you feel like you can talk to moms being, um, you know, in different situations, like being with women, you, the, the more time you have in that role, you get comfortable. And uh, Mm -hmm. I can see that with my, uh, 20, 21 year old daughter is that, um, you know, as, she's just not as comfortable in like a professional sense because she hasn't had a whole lot of time in that arena, but she's an amazing Mm -hmm. girl and that will grow. And, you know, we're all developing every single day. And I would hope at 45, um, 
I've developed that and I hope to continue to develop it. Yeah. So how did you get started in developing that? Did you just one day decide, I'm going to step outside my comfort zone and see how this goes or walk me a little bit through that journey? Oh, I think there are definite, definitely things that throw us into the deep end in life. Um, mm-hmm. One being the um, the medical situation we had with our oldest daughter when I was 23 years old. You were just kind of um, have, having to have hard conversations and you learn how to ask questions. You learn how to ask good questions. And I do think that a genuine interest in other people helps you ask questions um, about who they are and what they love and why they're where they are and what they do with their time. So I think a general genuine interest in other people helps that. But when you're thrown into the deep end, like we were with our oldest daughter, you just it's it's just something you have to do. And then once you have to do it, um, you get more comfortable because you, you know, that, that first time is always the, is maybe the hardest, especially when it's wrapped with emotion. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I've never, I've never, oh, that's probably been something that's gotten me in trouble more times <laughs> than I'd like is being willing to open my mouth and ask a question, um, when it might not be a comfortable question, but, um, if I want to know, I'm going to ask a question. And sometimes um, that can be un- that can be uncomfortable for me or uncomfortable for someone else, but that's never really scared me. Uh, mm. So that's good. But in the last couple of years, my husband and I have um, amazing people in our life who are um, teaching us and encouraging us to level up. And that's super cool because um, I've learned that when – when I became a mom at 23 years old, this is, oh man, this is, this is super important to me for um, a platform like Young Honest Mother is that I think Mm -hmm. it's very easy for moms when they have little people enter their lives is we get so focused on the physical and the educational and the spiritual development of our children that Mm -hmm. we stop developing ourselves. And as I've come to, I mean, it's an, it's an exhausting job, right? It's something Definitely. that um, takes all of our energy. And at the end of the day, you think, well, yeah, I'd really like to read a book, but I'm going to fall asleep. And I had, I had 10 years of babies and, you know, and then that's not counting toddlers who are, who are tiring as well. Um, and so when your kids get to 18 and 20 years old, if you've not developed beyond 23 or 25 or whatever age you had them, um, you find that you have very little to offer. And the and the experience that you have is 20 plus years old. And so I think for me that what, what I see now is that the personal development I'm doing is keeping me relevant with our children. And because as I develop, I'm showing them how I continually to personally develop at 45 and that I'm still reading books and I'm still growing and I'm still learning and I'm still talking to strangers. And now my, my thing is technology. I'm learning how to navigate technology and, and learning how to teach my children how to navigate it without, without it becoming their primary source of influence or communication to the world around. Mm -hmm. So there's all sorts of stuff like just 
learning how to figure out how to get this working with you. I had to call in, yeah. I had to call in the big guns, which is my husband. He's amazing. <laughs> I'm so glad he got it up and working for you. I, yeah, he's home. He's home working from home today, so that really worked out well. Um, so yeah, I think it's just really important for moms to continually personally develop so that when their kids are 20 and moms are 45 or 50, their kids see somebody who has patterned continual development because we shouldn't stop learning when we stop having a formal education. Mm. That really speaks to me. Um, I was 23 when I had my son Milo and I hadn't thought about it in the way that you just presented it such that you know, if we stop learning past that point, then we kind of become stunted. You know, we're, we're almost frozen in time if we, if we forget to develop ourselves. So I'm curious to hear from you. What was, was there a moment that really sparked that realization in you? And if so, how did you actually implement that into your life? Because you mentioned you have six kids, so (laughs) you are someone who's very busy. Um, there was no aha moment. And I think moving across the country has, is one of those things also. Um, I grew up in Michigan and that's where my oldest daughter was born and where we really learned how to navigate those, um, medical waters. But then Mm -hmm. we moved 2,600 miles to Seattle where I don't, I literally did not know one person. And all I knew was my little people that I brought with me. So We had to create a new network of friends and adopted family and surrogate family, all of that. And then uh, seven years later, we did it again. And we jumped down here to Texas and didn't know anybody that that those, um, those moves have been for my husband's work. So we were along for that ride and um, just if you're a person who loves people and, uh, you know, just straight out of the book, how to win friends and influence people, um, if you have a genuine interest, you compliment, you ask people questions, you find out what their interests are. And that has always been, I think, core, cord at our church and then reaching out. I remember when I moved here to Texas, um, beautiful church. Um, but I did not do a ladies Bible study at the church we went to, um, which our church offered one, but I went to a church, uh, I'm sorry, a Bible study that was based out of a totally different area so that I had a different, you know, sphere of friends and I really wanted Hmm. to connect with different people. So I think shaking it up, I think it's very easy to surround ourselves with people that we're comfortable with that are like us. And the value comes in meeting people who are totally different than you and finding out that you have things in common. And people are generally great. Um, (laughs) They are. It's it's so much fun. I know that when I met you, I just walked past you and there's a girl with a sparkly shirt on. I need to know her. (laughs) Yes, our relationship is kind of case in point. Um, and I've found that over the years I've had to open myself up to make connections in that way as well. I think I had gotten into a habit of kind of telling myself that I didn't really have anything to offer the world that, you know, especially after I stopped working full time, 
I just felt like I didn't have anything to talk about other than nap schedules and, you know, like breastfeeding and things (laughs) like that. And I wanted to talk about more, but I didn't know how to actually like start that off. Uh And so it's been a, a gradual process for me and just opening up and allowing myself to be where I'm at and to not be ashamed that I'm, you know, not somewhere else. And in starting with that, I've been amazed at how many connections I've been able to make just by being who I am. And I think that's something that a lot of times women in general tend to shy away from because we feel like we're not enough as we are. Well, we see all the flaws, right? We see, Mm -hmm. I think with social media, we tend to look at people's highlight reel and we know what our moment to moment looks like, and it's just not that pretty. And um, so, yeah, we get the, the seed of comparison can really, can really chip away at how we, how we see ourselves. Um, I think there's two sides to that coin of, uh, just being where you are. I think it's called, um, Mm -hmm. see, um, I can't, the, the term that I, that I use is not coming to me, but being okay with where you are. Yes. And realizing that it's a season. Um, and I, and I've been in circles where as moms, we only talk about our kids and I just, there was times I felt like, can we talk about something? We all have kids. We all, you know, got limited sleep at some point this week. Um, I don't want to hear about somebody else's potty training because I'm potty training too. And it's, can we talk, talk about something else? And um, that's where the personal development comes in. Because if you're reading books and you're growing and you're talking to people and you're expanding your knowledge base and your world, you become a pretty interesting person. I love coming home to my teenagers and my um, uh, my kids who are out of, out of high school and telling them, I met the coolest person today. This is one thing you get in <laughs> Dallas is they're from all over the world. Oh my goodness, so many people. I said, I met somebody from Djibouti. Like, who knows anyone from Djibouti? You know, like these countries in Africa where I'm literally standing in front of the person and I Google their country because I don't even know, you know, I look on Google Maps and I'm like, oh my goodness, now I see where that is. I've never met anyone from that country or whether it's, um, you know, South Africa or Egypt. I mean, I meet people from all over and that's really cool. And I tell my, my kids a little story about somebody that I met and I hope they find people interesting. And you know, people are, you know, when you're, I didn't come here as an immigrant from another country, but I came here as an immigrant to Texas. <laughs> and yes. Texans are very, you know, they're very proud about being a, a born and raised Texan and I'm not. So um, I know what it's like when somebody takes interest in who I am and where I'm from. So I, I try to do that for other people. And it's just nice to share a smile and a compliment and, you know, a question about genuine interest in them. Definitely. And I love that you're cultivating that curiosity within your own children by then coming home and sharing about who you met that day and maybe, you know, presenting a story about what you learned. I think our kids are looking to us as examples. Mm -hmm. And as you're someone who is showing them what it's like to actually put themselves out there in the world, 
I can only imagine what a great role model you are for them as they prepare to go out into the world and start having conversations of their own. Well, I think the, I think something that is genuinely a challenge, I don't want to say it's hard, but it's a challenge Mm -hmm. as a mom. And I will say I wasn't good at this when I had little babies because you're just trying to get to the grocery store. And I remember those, my first two children were were born uh, 13 months apart. Um, And by the time our oldest was five, I was expecting our fourth. So I, I get that just, just get me home because home is where we can kind of let our hair down, but it's, it takes energy and it takes it very much intentionality to be interested in people around you when you, when you're just trying to manage your little people, you know, Mm -hmm. okay. And this is just super honest. Like I fed them at noon and they're going to want to eat again at three and the time it takes me to get ready. And, you know, you're like calculating these nursing periods and who's got to go potty and can I get what I need in the store and I might have to come back and all of those things. It's, I will not, I will not say that, you know, I wouldn't scold anyone for not doing it if they're in that situation where I'm just trying to get through this period, to grow through it, because, yeah, your kids do take up a lot of bandwidth when they're little. So I'm mm-hmm. I'm by no means scolding anyone who doesn't stop and have a 10-minute conversation with somebody in the store, because I have been in those moments when I literally have an hour and a half to get all of my groceries for the week, because this is the only chance I have. And, you know, we either put in our earbuds or we're in our own little world and it's so easy to pass the person just beside us and not even engage the people around us. And that mm-hmm. it's very easy to do when you're a, a mom of little ones, hoping they don't throw a fit or get tired or get hungry. <laughs> yeah. It is a lot to manage. And I'm curious. So you've been through it so many times and have had the experience of raising all of these kids um, throughout their childhood. What are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned? Oh, wow. That's a whopper. (laughs) Yeah. Tell me first, tell me how old Milo is. Milo is two and a half right now. Super fun. What a fun age. Um, Okay. A couple of big lessons and, um, and this comes right now from my from the people that I have in my life and the people who are um, speaking into me every day is speak what you want speak speak the speak the words over your children that you want. Um, I I don't tell people that my teenagers are awful. I always tell people that teenagers are so much fun. They mm. and they are because I think a lot of times people can um, really kind of get nervous about the terrible with terrible twos. Why yep. would why would we say that over our children? Why would say oh there's the terrible twos? Um, two is fun. They're getting verbal. They're knowing what they want. They can communicate. They're getting a little more independent. Um, that can be a really fun stage unless we have the mindset that twos are terrible and then we don't enjoy our children as they're two. And I think we can do the very same thing as teenagers. Um, mm-hmm. And I, my husband 
it has allowed me, he has worked very hard and has allowed me to be a full-time mom for these 23 years. And I had the privilege of being the primary influencer in my kids' lives. Um, so um, I did not have to go to work, which I'm so, so grateful for. But you put in the time when they're two, three, and four, and five before they go to school to be their primary influencer. And so that when they're teenagers, there's actually there's actually your voice that they're hearing, not someone else's. And mm-hmm. so I have loved that. I have four teenagers in the house right now, and they're super fun. I mean, who will sit up at 11 o'clock and have ice cream with you at night? <laughs> You can find a teenage boy who will do that. It's super fun. And uh, David has been out of state with his work at times, many times, for probably ugh, the most of our marriage. He's been mm-hmm. contract. So, yeah, my, my kids are my squad. They're my team. And we have to work together, and I have to have a good relationship with them. So um, they're not – I always <laughs> – my 13-year-old is always testing the waters. She says, Mom, am I your friend? And I say, Honey, it would be really weird if I had a 13-year-old friend. <laughs> that would be weird. And so, no, you are not my friend. But someday, you will be one of my best friends. And I really look forward to that. But it's not today. So, <laughs> go get your homework done. Or go, you know, like, and she's my, she's my challenger, which is really fun because she's always trying to see where the boundaries are. But she'll ask me every once in a while. And, you know, I, they're not my friends, but they are the most important people in my life. So mm. I'm grateful that, that my husband gave me that gift of allowing my kids to be the most important people in my life. Because if it was my boss, then my kids would sniff that out. They would totally be able to tell if, um, if I valued what I was doing for my boss over what I was doing for them. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm grateful for what he's, what he's done to let me be that. Yes. And okay. So now I have a question that's, I want to hear from you because I'm in a stage right now. Like I said, I had Milo when I was 23. I left my Mm -hmm. full-time job when he was about nine months and I've been staying home with him for almost two years now. And I can get, if I'm not careful, (laughs) I can get really sidetracked by all the other things I feel like I'm missing out on. So I'm wondering if you have any advice or any insight for me and also for the other listeners who are finding themselves in a similar position on how to stay focused and present in raising children, especially in the early like toddler years when things can be challenging. Well, it's been, it's been about 10 years since I've had a toddler. So Tell me what you think you're missing out on when that, when that feeling comes up in you. What today do moms feel like they're missing out on? Well, so I'll speak personally. And I think for me, I really enjoyed my career before I left. Uh-huh. And I'm someone who's very achievement-oriented. Uh-huh. And I liked seeing the results from the work that I was doing and having um, coworkers and a team of people to work towards something with, and then, you know, being praised at the end. And I'm realizing now that like in stepping away from that arena, motherhood has been very solitary 
Um, you know, I'm staying at home usually just by myself and my with Milo. Um, the results, you know, are much more slow going and there's not a lot of praise or anything like that. And so I think I've really missed out on having projects, which now I have through like Young Honest Mother and the work that I'm doing. But there's there's something about like I still feel an element of FOMO, if you will. Uh-huh. Um, when it comes to seeing other people in their careers and, and how they're moving forward. Uh-huh. Okay. So parenting is definitely the long game. And the fun thing was, is um, I told somebody this the other day, I literally have a relationship with my 20 year old. Part of our relationship is over Pinterest and um, <laughs> which is super fun because I see what she likes. I see what quotes impact her. I can see where her mind is if she if she pins a lot of quotes about struggle or you know whatever whatever's going on in her head which is super fun and we send funnies back and forth and she sent me one the other day that said something to the effect of it's hard to say but mom was right <laughs> period end of sentence not right about this or right about that she was just right and that that's a 20 year long game isn't that crazy? That's um, true. And we we know that when it comes to like our 401k and our investments, and we're willing to do that. And we know that there's a whole lot of input before we see output. Mm-hmm. But parenting is definitely a long game. Luckily, there's, um, you know, the the life all along the way where there's the little wins and there's the things that happen and the, and the hard parts that, you know, break your heart and the discipline and all of that. But it's, it's all part of the long game. And um, yeah, I think it's very easy to find your identity and your work. Mm-hmm. Um, so here is where I will share uh, what some people might think of as a hard part of our story but I will speak that it's one of the most powerful parts of our story because it helped define um, our marriage and my parenting is our oldest daughter was born. I was um, 21 when we got married and 23 when she was born. And so you know how young that feels. You feel very grown up at the time, but now you look back and you go, oh, I was so young. So And when she was born, uh, we didn't know it at the time she was born, but shortly thereafter, we found that she, she had severe cerebral palsy and mm. um, just diagnosis after diagnosis, brain scan, it, it just wasn't good. It was super, super severe. And so my identity became wrapped up in this little person. I And I shouldn't say my identity, but my 24-7 was taking care of the medical needs of this little person that Mm -hmm. um, God put into our life. And there was never any reason, like we never knew what happened or why it happened. There was no answers. It was just um, dealing and dealing with something very physically demanding when there's so much emotion wrapped around it. Um, It was, it was the toughest thing I've ever done because talk about stunting your development. It's like, she is all that I did. Um, it was just trying to figure out how to keep her alive. And then I found out I was pregnant four months later with um, our, our daughter now who's 20, almost 21. And so that was like another wave that crashed over me as I was trying to come up for air 
I found out that I was pregnant again and I was like, what going under? And so um, my life really boiled down to taking care of this very medically needy infant and it wasn't going to get any better. She wasn't, she never walked. She never talked. She never sat up. She never ate. She never, like all of the things that are the tiny little, oh, look at that. Look what they did. She never did that. And uh, that was, that was hard because it was like putting, it was trying to fill a bucket that had a, it was bottomless. Like it was just constant input. And um, it did become my identity. And I was like, not only is it my identity, it's all I do, but um, there was no feedback from her. There was no smiles. There was no, you know, it was, it was really intensive with none of the joys of parenting. Hmm. So that was a severe, um, that was a severe experience with parenthood that I had right off the bat. And what I saw is my husband, who is um, a manufacturing consultant, he was moving forward. We were in our 20s and he is doing super well with his work. And he started traveling all up and down the East Coast for work. And so I felt like I was trapped in my home and he was leaving and going and having these adventures. And the funny thing Mm. is, if you asked him, he would be like, it's just a hotel and a rental car and, you know, a different meeting room and I'm away from my home. But to me, it was something that I didn't have. So I, I absolutely assumed that that grass was greener. And he wanted to stay home and I wanted to get out. And, you know, it's just all of that. So I think the grass is greener where you water it, you know, and, mm-hmm. and I did have the, the, the privilege of, you know, the, I, I think of moms that wrap up their kids early every morning and take them to a daycare or a babysitter. And I had the privilege of going, if we did not get sleep last night, it's a pajama day and we don't have to go anywhere. So I think it's all perspective. And again, it's that seed of comparison looking around going, oh, well, they've got this or, you know, they've got this career. They're really moving forward when they could be looking at you going, oh, I would just love to stay home with my kids one day. And see right. what you're doing. So I think it's blooming where you're planted, right? And and just realizing that Milo will never be two again. Yes. And, and that is a beautiful thing. And grateful. Grateful. Just being grateful for where you are and what you have. Um that would have that would have and for me, I didn't have another mom that, well. It was 1997, and there weren't any young, honest mother podcasts to <laughs> to encourage and to give me that perspective. I was just flying solo, doing the very best I could. But God had a plan in all of that. She ended up passing away when she was five and a half years old, and mm. um, that again was another another wave that crashed over us. I was actually expecting our fourth baby when she passed, and it was just. I felt like my 20s were wave after wave of figuring it out. But with perspective of 20 years later, I see that God had a bigger plan for us. And he really took us through that fire to get rid of all the junk that we thought was so impressive. But he had to um, refine us. 
And um, we thought we were pretty impressive when we were (laughs) young and married and, you know, all of that. And um, it was a very, it was a very humbling experience, I will say. And I hope it's okay if I just talk about my faith because I would not have navigated that. I know that my faith doesn't have to be anyone else's faith, but it's just part of our story. And um, God changed us in a very short amount of time. And you can either you can either take a long time to tear off a Band-Aid or you can rip it off. <laughs> it, was, yes. it was definitely the ripping off version. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think if I could, if I could go back to my 23 year old self, um, knowing what I know now, I would, I would say no matter where you are, you know, in motherhood or how bogged down you feel, you're a, Maurice, you're a great example of embracing where you are and then impacting other people with what you know and what you have and the place that you are. And so if there can be a focus on other people, you're, you're trying to take what you're learning and you're, you're spreading it out for anyone else who needs that encouragement. And that has to, that has to fill a little bit of that gap for you because you've probably found a platform you never would have found had you been going to work. Yes, you're so right. And I think I love what you brought up about perspective. And before I get into that, thank you so much for sharing some of your story and and all that you went through with your first daughter and everything that that brought up. But in having the perspective to look back on your journey and see that everything you experienced was not in vain, yeah, that goes such a long way. And even though I'm not that far removed from you know, leaving my career and and becoming a full-time stay-at-home mom, I can see that in the struggles I've weathered since then, they helped to plant the seeds for what I'm doing now. And I don't think that I would be where I'm at and doing what I'm doing had I not experienced exactly what I went through. Um, The the old author, man, I don't know how old Napoleon Hill books are, but I read one recently. I mean, like those are classics. Um, He talks about the seed of equivalent benefit. And whenever you go through something that you could define as hard or Mm -hmm. negative or bad, he said, if you will truly search for that seed of equivalent benefit, there is something good that can come out of anything. And I look at, you know, the death of a child and you think what good could come out of that? Well, God had a plan for that for us. And it was, and I can, I don't share it. um, I don't speak lightly of it to uh, that can kind of put some people off like, wow, she got over that. Um, I say it because I see the good that was in it for us. Um, We have, God has put some amazing people in our life. And one of the first people that impacted us with her is uh, friends of ours who also had a handicapped son, but he was my age. So when our daughter was born, he was 25 and they had walked that path for 25 years. And they certainly gave us some perspective and they said, you know, Andrea, some people, most people are put on this earth to learn, but some people come just to teach. And Mm. our daughter was that she, she didn't mature or grow or develop at all. And yet she taught me so many lessons, so many big lessons about myself. 
And so um, that's that seed of equivalent benefit. You can find it if you want to, if you want to look for a positive perspective. And so, um, you know, we move across the country and it might not be the right time or you, you know, you lost money on a deal or whatever it is. Um, John Maxwell says that you either, um, you win or you learn. If you, if, if you, if something doesn't go right, then you can always learn. So you don't never take the perspective of losing. It's learning, which is pretty cool. I agree. And so as we come full circle, I know we have just a few more minutes left, but I'd love to hear from you about how you were able to weather all of those waves that you talked about in being so newly married. You know, you, you started when you had your first child, you were still very young, still a newlywed. So what have you learned in your time, these 23 years of being married and, and what tips could you share with our listeners? Um, boy, it absolutely takes faith. It is definitely a faith walk. Um, if I did not have a belief system that allowed me to see beyond, like if, if, if it felt very random, like if I thought, well, there's no purpose to the, you know, this life is going to be lived and then that's just it, it would feel very random and very cruel. And I can see why, um, the, the, percentages of people who just walk away from that because they feel like, well, I just have one life to live and this is not the way I want to live it. Um, I had to have faith that God was up to something bigger. Um, Mm. And I also, I, I learned, um, yeah, I was super young. Um, My husband was a youth pastor at the time when we got, when we got married, engaged and married. He was a youth pastor and a Christian school teacher. And, um, and so we had this very developed faith circle. Mm. And I realized looking back, this is another one of those powerful lessons that even those people that loved us, oh my goodness, they were a second family and a support system for us. But people didn't know how to deal with the hard things that we were dealing with. We were dealing with life and death. We were dealing with a new marriage, um, being new parents, all of those things. And I have to believe that what I know from my experience has to be passed on. I have to help somebody else because if you don't have, like we didn't have the internet. I didn't have a cell phone until... Oh, a couple of years after I was married and then it was, you know, older than a flip phone. So (laughs) communication was, um, you know, uh, picking up a landline, leaving a voice message on a recorder. Um, So yeah, life was a little bit isolating. And I used to have to, when I see somebody, when, when I feel like I should talk to somebody, I don't know what that person's going through. And if, and if I feel like, just saying an encouraging word or complimenting them or reaching out to them in a way that nobody's reached out to them today because they're right in the throes of motherhood and they're just trying to get through the store. Um, mm-hmm. I was there. I was there. And I think because people didn't know how to handle us and they didn't know how to handle the medical mess that we were, um, they kind of drew back. Hmm. And um 
I can't remember what Brene Brown book it talks about, but she says, I think it's braving the wilderness. When you're having trouble with someone, draw close. We want to pull back because it's uncomfortable, but draw close. And once you get closer to somebody, you can probably have better understanding of what it is that everybody's struggling with something, you know, Mm -hmm. nobody's life is a cakewalk because we all have to live on this planet and planet earth can be a pretty stark place sometimes, but I, I just know how much I would have loved for someone to reach out and see me instead of go, oh, well, she's, you know, uh, she's got this. I'm sure she's got this because we show up and put our best face forward. And, Mm. um, you know, I'm not on Facebook. I, I've never had a Facebook account. So, but I, but, but I, you know, you hear stories about people who actually get depressed looking at Facebook, thinking that we, when we only put our face, best face forward, we want, we, we want people to see the good stuff. But the, but the reality is, is that people are struggling and they're looking for encouragement in that person to some, for somebody to step up and be that kind word for the day. And I think I'd, I'd love to be that person. And if it's somebody that God's bringing into my life for a long term, I'd love that. If it's just a, I met this really cool person today and I tell my kids a great story about neat people, then that's all it is too. I don't have to try to um, work that system. I'm just mm-hmm. looking for, for connections. And if I'm supposed to bless somebody, then I can do that. It's so it's so inexpensive to bless people and encourage mm-hmm. people and smile at people. And it just takes getting our eyes off ourselves and looking around and just noticing. Yes. Yes, I think that's so true. And one of the goals that I have with creating a goddess mother is to present a platform where people can be themselves and can share what they're struggling with and don't have to mm-hmm. feel like they have to have it all together and that they have to have their best face on at all times. Yeah. Because it's just unrealistic and it's exhausting and it's lonely because even though you're putting yourselves out there with this face, no one's really connecting to the true you. Right. And without that connection. Yes. It feels very inauthentic because they're responding yes. to what you know is not the real Correct. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. I, and I appreciate that. Um, I love, I just, the name of your blog, young, honest mother. Um, <laughs> Thank you. It's, it's it's powerful. It's precise. It's exactly what people need. And you know, we don't. You know, you don't want to get too ugly and kind of be the victim and throw it all out there. And you know, right. But I think one on one connection is super powerful. And I know mentorship has been a a huge piece of our life in the last five years that really has changed something. Someone. Um, if I could plug one book right now, it would be Henry McLeod's The Power of the Other, The Power of People in Your Life. People will affect your life, whether for good or bad. And um, man, if you could find the right relationships, people who have what you want and are willing to invest in you, that's what I want to be. I want to be that for my kids. I want to be the adult, not the parent, the adult my kids want as a primary influencer. Because after 18, they really do get to choose. Mm -hmm. And 
I have relationships in my life where I am that primary influencer for other people who want who don't want what they have seen in their parents. They either want longevity in a marriage or not just longevity, but love and passion and significance in a marriage. And they've mm-hmm. never had that modeled for them. Uh, you know, their parents may have done the best they knew how, but having powerful relationships in your life with people you would trade places with is a game changer. And that's what that book, The Power of the Other, is about. So it's, it, well, every book you're reading is the best book you've ever read. <laughs> I can relate. <laughs> it's like, oh, I highlight way too much. <laughs> but it is a good one. Okay, thank you for sharing that. And so I'm not sure if there actually is an answer to this question, but I'm still going to throw it out there. (laughs) Where can people stay in touch with you and your journey? Oh my goodness. Um, You know, when my husband hates when I say this, but people say, well, what, you know, the question, what do you do? Um, I say, I'm just a mom. Uh, He says, Andrea, you're not just a mom. And I said, I, but that to me isn't dismissive or unimportant. And I've always tried to model my, to my children that being a mom was a very important job. So I dressed up and I showed up. And so when I'm out getting my groceries, I look like my job is important. Um, My husband has worked corporate for 23 years. And I know that there are women dressing up for their job, showing up and dressing up for their Mm -hmm. job. And, um, I do the same thing in my home. Not that I haven't had days where like I got a shower and I'm clean. Check. (laughs) (laughs) We've all had those days, but for the most part, as my, especially as my kids have gotten older, I tried to, to dress and behave like my job is important, just as important as any job I would go to and get paid for. Because I am, I am banking. I, when people say, well, what do you do? Sometimes I say, I'm in futures. (laughs) I'm in six of them. Um, and, uh, and God has given me children besides my biological children. And I absolutely love that because I love investing in futures. It's so much fun, but it's definitely the long game. So that there's no, there's no more important job that, so I've, I've really tried to treat it as important as I really think it is. Cause otherwise I just diminish what I've done for 23 years. Right. I don't want to downplay the way I've invested my life and my kids. And the cool thing is, as I collect people and as my kids leave home, um, two are not at home anymore. My oldest obviously is not on this earth and my 20 year old is out of the house. And so I have four left at home as they leave home. I want to infuse my life with other people that I'm investing in, not the same as my children, but to have impact. I don't want to look at my husband when my children are gone and go, so like, what now? Like, what do we Mm -hmm. do? We're going to be busy. We're going to be moving. We're going to be helping people and, you know, just doing whatever God calls us to do today to serve people and love people. And so, um, so yeah, to back to your question, how to get in touch with me. I am I am a mom and I have an email address. And if somebody, you know, I would I would absolutely 
um, embrace somebody, especially if they were coming from um, a handicapped child perspective where they felt like they just didn't know a lot of people to navigate that. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, so I would, I would absolutely be, I would welcome emails. I don't know um, if I'm asking for, <laughs> I wouldn't imagine I'm asking for a tidal wave, but if there was somebody out there that needed my long-term perspective, especially since I'm not in that season right now of the exhaustion of caring for a handicapped child, I would absolutely love to impact somebody that way. This has been a really powerful conversation. I'm so glad that we had the opportunity to chat today. Yeah, thank you for inviting me. It's a privilege to um, be able to share my story in hopes that maybe it'll just encourage someone um, because yeah, coming, coming from a long game perspective, just to know that it's worth it. These little people are totally worth it. And um, it's definitely an investment, not just in their future, but in yours. I don't think anybody goes into parenting with the idea that they don't see their kids when they're older. Goodness. I want, yeah, I want to have a very full Thanksgiving table when I'm a nice old grandma. (laughs) I love the image of that. And that's it for this episode of Young Honest Mother, the podcast, which means it's time for you to join the conversation. Share your thoughts on social media and tag me at Young Honest Mother, and then pass this episode along to friends and family who need to know that they're not alone on this journey either. Until next time, I'm your host. Morris Young.